The scripture reading tonight is from Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and, a, and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and, un and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? This is the word of the Lord. Our, our mission as a church is all about seeking the peace of our city. And uh, one of the things we say in our new members' classes is find one little piece of the city, the city's shalom, one little tiny slot, and kind of make that your own. Spend your life kind of investing into that little, little corner. For me, it's been racial reconciliation. And a few years ago, I met a, a young woman who had incredible wisdom about uh, racial reconciliation. Her name is Sarah Kwan. She was a member here for several years with her husband. They've since moved to Riverside, California. And when Sarah left, I asked her if she would mentor me uh, on racial reconciliation. And so we meet via Skype every month. And she helps me as I try to think about working for racial reconciliation in our city. When uh, I realized that Sarah was going to be in town for a conference, I asked her if she would come and uh, bring the word to us tonight. So, Sarah, I'm honored that you're here. Thankful for your ministry in my life. Let's welcome my friend. <laughs> All right. So, yes, thank you for having me back. It's really good to be back in Knoxville. I just spent an amazing weekend with fabulous women from this church. I've been seeing old colleagues and friends from InterVarsity, and thank you for being here, many of you. And I'm enjoying the hospitality of the banisters. And I was telling my prayer team, pray hard. <laughs> because I'm not sure they've ever had an Asian American woman preach before. And so they're praying hard for me. Thank you for inviting me back here. So Jonah chapter 4. This chapter does not go down very easy. And we're only doing the first part of it. Over the years, I developed a bad habit or just a habit of skipping this part because Jonah's anger is uncomfortable and God's response confused me. Jonah accuses God of being too gracious, too merciful, and then he says, do you do well? Or God says, do you do well to be angry? And the NIV says, do you have the right to be angry? And well, when God asks you a question like that, it feels like the answer is no, right? Jonah does not do well to be angry. Can we move on now? I don't understand what this is. And of course, uh, this time, well, I had to wrestle with this chapter because otherwise that would be a very short sermon. I don't think Doug would have liked that. <laughs> so as Doug invited us at the beginning of this Jonah series I've been following along from California, I read this contemplatively. And in response, I wrote a letter to Jonah. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it starts. Dear Jonah, I want to understand your anger. Why is it so unbearable that God showed compassion to Nineveh, 
How does this affect you? And as I wrote this letter to Jonah, my curiosity was piqued and my compassion was stirred for Jonah. I think I'm so curious about Jonah's anger because I have been on my own journey to reclaim and explore my anger. Growing up in the church, I was taught that it's not okay to be angry with God, and anger itself has a bad reputation. They say it hurts our witness because if Christians aren't smiling all the time, then we might turn somebody off to Jesus, and we don't want that. And on top of that, people of color and women are especially pinged for being angry. Anger is unwomanly, it's unfeminine, it's unchristian. We have to be on our best behavior lest we be dismissed and punished by judging eyes. But is anger in itself actually unchristian or even unwomanly? Didn't Jesus turn over tables and make his own whip? He made his own whip in the temple to expose its corruption. Isn't it bad to bottle up our emotions as though we are not embodied, emotional human beings made in the image of God? My husband, who's getting his doctorate in philosophy, which is why we moved to Riverside, and studying the philosophy of anger would want us to affirm the epistemic value of anger, especially for marginalized people. In other words, anger about injustice and wrongdoing can be a guard against normalizing and accepting the status quo. Sure, we do not want anger to rule our lives. I do not want anger to rule my life. But as a woman of color who grew up in the church, in the thick of evangelicalism, I am on a journey to reclaim my anger. And so, dear Jonah, I want to understand your anger. So let's look at Jonah. Jonah, this man of God is beside himself. He's livid. The word for anger used here implies that he's absolutely furious. He's burning with anger. I can just imagine the heat rising in his gut. The same passion with which he prays God in chapter 2 is now being used to accuse God. I knew this would happen, God. I told you I didn't want to come here. Jonah uses the well-known refrain of praise that God is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love to shake his fist at God. And now Jonah wants to die on top of it. Wow. He is angry. Have you ever felt this angry at God? After Jonah expresses his anger to God, God says, do you do well to be angry? And as I mentioned earlier, I used to think that this question was God shutting Jonah's anger down. But on closer look, I see it as an invitation. God's question invites Jonah to wrestle with his anger. It leaves room for Jonah to look inward and respond. It creates a holding space in which Jonah and God can come to a deeper understanding, the power of a question. And here again, we see God being who he is, gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. The word for merciful is related to the word for womb, as in a mother's womb, implying God's motherly love. And as a mother myself, I can imagine God approaching Jonah with tenderness and persistence, not intending to shut him down, 
but wanting him to grow. Are any of us feeling angry at God tonight? Maybe it's not for the same reasons as Jonah. Maybe it's a family situation, the death of a loved one, terminal disease, a strained relationship, a dashed dream, our unjust world. Maybe you can't even put your finger on it, but behind the smile and your Sunday best, there is dissonance. Or maybe, like me, you haven't felt permission to be angry, Maybe you can't locate your anger, but like Jonah, you just want to give up. Something does not sit right. God is confusing. Things are not turning up the way you had hoped. Perhaps this is an invitation for you. Perhaps God is inviting you with motherly love to stop putting it off, stuffing it down, or running away, and to start exploring What's really going on in here? Where do you feel angry or dissonant with God tonight? I'm going to move on, but maybe that's the word for you and the invitation. I want you to hold on to that. Maybe later you can journal or talk it out. Where do you feel angry or dissonant with God tonight? God does not shut down Jonah's anger but he does invite Jonah into a question. It shows that anger is not the primary issue here. The primary issue is what Jonah is angry about and what that reveals about his heart. So what's going on with Jonah? Why is he so angry? Jonah, why is it unbearable that God showed compassion to Nineveh? And as Doug and Paige showed us in previous weeks, It's about the 8th century BCE. Nineveh is the capital of the Assyrian Empire, and the Assyrians are like the Nazis of the ancient world, to quote Doug. Rising in power, terrorizing surrounding nations, and they are about to wipe out Israel. In fact, the northern kingdom of Israel falls to the Assyrians, and the Assyrian captivity begins in this very same century. God has just spared Israel's oppressors. Wow, of course Jonah's angry. No one wants to see their oppressors receive mercy. How unfair, how unthinkable. Before I moved to Knoxville several years ago, I was living in California, and Knoxville was one of the last places I ever expected to move to. And when I found out that that might be on the radar for me and my husband, my first thought was, are there any Asian people in Tennessee? (laughs) Yet like Jonah, I experienced God saying, arise and go. So I came, we both came. And here God birthed new callings, gave me new avenues of ministry, sent me to places I never expected to be in. Just like Jonah. But Knoxville has also been a place where I feel largely invisible, dismissed, unseen, except for unwanted questions and the type of attention that makes me feel small and other. Knoxville was a really hard place for us to live. And when we were here, the last thing I wanted was to see God move in the people and the places that had most hurt me. And so when I read this passage, I think, 
I admire your mercy, God. I wish I could go there with you, but it's hard for me to go there with you. For those of us who have experienced pain at the hands of another, it might be easy to relate to Jonah's outcry at God's compassion. But Jonah might have other reasons for being angry. Let's think of the ways that he might have some privilege or see himself occupying a higher position than others. Israel is the chosen people of God. Jonah loves and expects God's mercy shown to him and his people, but not to anyone else. Perhaps he feels more entitled to God's mercy. But the actual facts are that, the, are that Nineveh repents. We see that in chapter 3. Nineveh repents. And that's actually a theme throughout Jonah, is that the people who don't know God are the ones who actually show more fear of God in Jonah. So Nineveh repents, whereas Israel at this time is in a state of spiritual decline and does not listen to her prophets. Amos is about to come onto the scene. Psalm 51.17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. In this story, who has a broken and contrite heart? The Ninevites. What if God is using Nineveh to expose the false religion and unrepentance of Israel? What if Jonah is angry because he can't accept that? That brings up his defenses. Using them to expose me, to expose us? Ooh. Haven't we, the American church, also thought of ourselves as a city on a hill, the city on a hill? We're the, we are the producers of sound theology, the best ministry practices. We provide a moral compass to the world. Over the past several hundred years, we've sent missionaries everywhere, spreading the gospel, calling people to repentance, and they've responded. Look at the growth of the church in the global South, in black, Latino, and Asian American communities, even here in this country. But when God uses those same people to call us out, can we receive it? Do we receive it? Back in 2015, when I was, I was in Mexico City with Christian leaders from around the world, there were over 170 countries represented when I had to look this up, but when there are only 195 countries in the world. So 170 countries represented out of 195. This was truly a global gathering. So one afternoon, I was sitting with Rasha, an Arab Israeli, and Samir from Syria. And our, I think we were in small group, and our prompt was, talk about ministry in your country. And so as Rasha started to, to share, she got kind of serious. And she said, to be honest, Sarah, one of the biggest obstacles to the gospel in Israel is American Christianity. Everything America does affects us. We are all watching America. We have to pay attention to America. And you export your Christianity all around the world, but American theology based in power and wealth doesn't work here. What about a theology of suffering? 
And your leaders who say they're Christian make us Christians look bad. And your Christians who vote for them make us look bad. They're hurting our witness in our own country. And there was a similar message from some Chinese people. Not Chinese people, like I'm Chinese American, but these are like Chinese Christians in China. And their message was, stop sending missionaries to China unless you're willing to come humbly. Stop bringing your American denominationalism baggage here because it's tearing apart the Chinese church. Whoa, <laughs> right, whoa. And all my defenses went up. I'm, I wanted to say, well, you, you don't get it. Like, I'm, I'm American, but I'm Asian American, so they don't even see me as American sometimes. I don't really have a say in this church. I agree with you, don't criticize me. How many of us throw up the same defenses? I'm not a racist, I'm not a sexist, I'm not homophobic. I would never say that, and so on and so on. When this is a chance to stop and look in the mirror, and in that moment, they were a mirror to me, and I, I felt God inviting me to make a shift. It was a hard one. I may never fully be seen, or listen to in the American church. I may not have much power to make a difference, but I'm still going to own it. The American church is my church. I am part of it, and I am part of American Christianity. I've got to own that. That was hard. Are we willing to listen and learn from the global church? Or from the people around us who don't have the same power or privilege that we do, Will we sit at the feet of women and people of color, the poor, the uneducated of our city, and let God expose the stubborn places of our hearts through them? Or do we throw up our defenses because we're the experts and it's not really supposed to work like that? Yeah, I mean, that's a real word for me too. And the uncomfortable fact still remains, Jonah doesn't want to see the Ninevites receive mercy. Wherever his anger is coming from, he does not want to see them receive mercy. Jonah's anger might be a mixed bag. It might come from some of the wounds and the outrage at oppression, a real concern for himself and his people, which is not a bad thing. But perhaps it also contains disdain, contempt for the people of Nineveh, and an unwillingness to learn from their faith. These are his enemies. He wants them gone. And since Assyria is about to wipe out Israel, Jonah wants God to wipe out Assyria. He wants God to play the game of power, warfare between two nations, the logic of empire, the logic of this world. But God's mercy to Nineveh and God's compassion to Jonah suggests a different way. It suggests that God is vehemently opposed to tribalism and power plays to a world where the oppressed become the oppressors. Aren't we all loved by God? And his mercy, God's mercy, is a preview of what has come and what is coming through Christ. The restoration of shalom, when things are put back as they should be, one new humanity. The mercy of God invites Jonah to confront his anger 
and entrust it to God. And for me as a marginalized person, I see the hope of deliverance from getting stuck in anger. I can continue to be angry at wrongdoing, injustice, and dehumanization as we should be. I can lament fully and regularly. I can trust that God won't force me to hope when I'm not ready. But I can also know that there is a very real hope because God is making all things new. Amen? And I also see the hope of deliverance from the anger born from defensiveness and entitlement. We can face what's in our hearts with contrition and learning rather than defensiveness because we can hope for the unexpected life and connection that comes from humble repentance. Where do you you need God's deliverance and hope today? What is God exposing in your heart today? Where are you feeling dissonant, convicted, invited? What is God inviting you into today? All souls, as God calls you to arise and go to a new corner of the city, God is probably going to do some things that challenge your self-understanding and cause you to look inward. May you explore any anger along the way together and be open to an enlarged understanding of what it means to seek the shalom of the city to which you are called and to pray for it on its behalf, but also to seek the shalom of this world and this church and the church. I'm really excited for this new season in the church. And I want to say I'm really thankful to you for being a place of healing and hope for me while I was here. I was even like I was losing it in worship. (laughs) And I was sensing that God was even saying, Sarah, you being here today is another step in your healing and the deliverance I want to give you from your anger. And your hurt at, at what happened in Knoxville. And so I'm thankful for this space. And I pray that many more like me would come through these doors and experience this community. And I also pray that you would continue to learn from people who look like me. Let us pray.